Welcome to a special edition of the podcast, everyone. I'm so glad you stopped by to hear all there is about Rosemary and Sage. Turn back time. Generally, this is a family-friendly podcast that even your grandmother and preacher would approve of. But in today's episode, myself and filmmaker Jared Campbell hype up and talk about his new film, Rosemary and Sage, Turn Back Time. And well, Rosemary and Sage is not what we would call a family-friendly film. So in chatting with Jared about the movie, some of the conversation is what I like to call headphone-only listening. So if you're into gory, violent, raunchy horror movies, you're going to love this episode. Take a listen to filmmaker Jared Campbell and myself as we talk about his new film, Rosemary and Sage, Turn Back Time. Music by Jay Clean, written exclusively for the film. Running all night like it was a race child. Actors being thrown, no, we gotta get down. Time is burning now, then we gotta turn it back. Hey, before it's so late. For the sake, I can hear you come in. you calling my name? I'm running. Told you, baby girl, gotta turn it back. Welcome to You're Still Doing That, where we talk with everybody. Ooh, let me start that again. I've said this a whole bunch of times and I still mess it up. It's a lot of W's. <laughs> Welcome to You're Still Doing That, where we talk with everyday people about their childhood joys that have endured into adulthood, and tens of people are going to listen. We've got a special edition today. Our friendly neighborhood filmmaker and movie theater manager, Jared Campbell's with us today, talking all about his latest film, Rosemary and Sage, Turn Back Time. How's it going, Jared? It's going great. Could not be better, my friend. All right, let's talk about your flick. All right. All right, Jared, so the new flick comes out this weekend on August 4th. Are you excited? So excited. I could not be more excited. Um, if you've seen some of Jared's other works, you're going to uh, notice a growth in Jared as a filmmaker. You can really feel how everything fits together uh, so well. For me, it was those comedic moments. You had these little bits designed to like break in to, to some bits um, that were mixed with, uh, it gets the audience locked in with a mix of laughter and shock, like, at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I noticed, I don't know if I, I got a lot of that in the first flick, but the second flick you had a whole bunch of those moments mm-hmm. in there, whereas uh, a scene would be going on, and then, boom, there's the little comedic mm-hmm. uh, uh, breakup. Was that, like, intentional for this film? Yes. Uh, when writing the script for this one, we were like, this is super depressing <laughs> right because like it is it's a much darker film it's a much more focused film it's a lot more serious we there was a lot of things that people had told me in the first film they were like this works but it doesn't work the best because uh i i feel like the first film and i mean no offense to anyone who worked on it i mean my god is my baby too <laughs> but it uh but i don't think it was as focused as this one um because we had a lot of hands in the pot we had a lot of people who we're like, you should do it this way. You should do, you should do it that way. You should uh, uh, basically uh, write this in and write these characters in and give them something to do. And a lot of people wanted to be a part of it because it was a huge cast. We did like 32 cast members in the first one. And I was just a little bit overwhelmed. And I think the film turned out great. I love it. And anyone who's seen it has also loved it as well. But it's truly one of those things where for this one i listened to the criticism of it being a little unfocused and i wanted to make it more streamlined yeah you can definitely tell it's got a clear focus to mm-hmm. it from start to finish you understand uh what why we're there and what's going on mm-hmm. and who the bad person is and uh and what the point of it is so i really liked it now 
um, when Sanford uh, movie goers come and hopefully beyond Sanford come. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a flick that's good for kids? Absolutely not. <laughs> All right. This, want... <laughs> is, this is probably the most violent film I've made. And St. Patrick's Day was pretty violent. That was the that was the horror film that I made a couple years ago that does tie into this film. Um, and I, I thought it was pretty gory when I made it. And I was like, oh, it's pretty good. But this one is this one is insanely just out of this world wild i really do not think uh, anyone under the age of 17 should probably come and watch this <laughs> all right we want to make sure we get that clear out of the way absolutely all right so uh what is the story of rosemary and sage turn back time what's our what's the premise of it okay so uh the first film uh rosemary and sage race against time you got uh officer reva rosemary and you have fbi agent samantha sage now uh rosemary's uh partner and lover parker parsley is murdered in the beginning of uh, the first rosemary and sage and the entire film just basically builds upon that about who did it why did they do it what's going on here and then that by the end of it you, you there's some villains revealed there's truth revealed everything spiraling it's crazy there's a gorilla for some reason it's awesome and then uh oh yeah the gorilla yeah <laughs> you those who know know and uh so when the so when we were doing the second film we were thinking to ourselves okay so where does the story go from here um i had always wanted to do uh a sequel to saint patrick's day and i thought to myself okay how do i do that because we're going to have to top what we did before. And for a couple of years, it was like uh, maybe like two years, like, like even up to like the point of when we started production on turn back time, I was like, I don't know where this can go, but I have half a completed story here for a Rosemary and Sage sequel. Yeah. And I have half of a, a story for St. Patrick's day. I'm just going to put the two together and do a crossover. Yeah. And when I said, when I had mentioned crossover, everyone like flipped their shit. They were like, yeah. this is awesome. We need to do this for the sequel. And I'm like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, I decided to, uh, right before we finished production of the first film, I did an after credit scene where it sets up Samantha after everything's all said and done. Samantha Sage is like called him by the mayor and he's like, I yeah. need you to, I need, I, I, I want to win the reelection. And I think that by solving an old murder, uh, we, I might be able to do that. Do you think you could help me with it? And of course, it is the St. Patrick's Day murders yeah. from 1984. So you got a 40-year gap in between St. Patrick's Day to, to Rosemary and Sage. And I thought to myself, and this is even more brilliant because the actress who played um, uh, in St. Patrick's Day, the survivor, or the yeah. killer, rather, uh, I wanted her to reprise her role. And everyone was like, well, isn't it going to be weird that she was also Parker Parsley. Are people going to be confused about that? And I'm like, I think I can come up with an idea because it was 40 years later then we can just age her up with makeup. Yeah. And, and I think that if we do this correctly and if we make this, if we make it clear that these are different characters, then everyone's going to be along for the ride. Yeah. So I'll tell you right now, I didn't even know it was the same actress. Yep. I didn't pick up on yep. it. <laughs> See, I love it. I love yep. it. I didn't pick up on it. So turn back time story, basically, uh, Reva Rosemary and uh, Samantha Sage, they team up once again. And they are going to solve the murders from St. Patrick's Day that went unsolved at the end of the film. Like the film ends kind of like on a ambiguous note, and Turn Back Time basically fills in the pieces and delivers a complete story for it. I love it. Um, were your uh, the cast members you have in all your flicks are were they eager to to go for another round two for Rosemary and Sage? You know that's the best part about that is that I because uh, my. 
I have a group of people who I'm always going to work with, and that's usually like you, you can see that because every yeah. movie has the same uh, cast members in it. And I set and I set the main cast down, and I'm like, all right, look, I have I have I have some ideas for our next project. I don't know what we want to do, but I'm going to put two scripts down, and y'all can pick which one you want to do next. I put one down for a horror film, and I put a Rosemary and Sage sequel down, a potential one. Because I know they really had fun with it. Without hesitation, everyone pointed to the Rosemary and Sage script. Yeah. And I'm like, really? They were like, we had way too much fun with this one. You can see on screen that we're having fun. That the audience was having fun. I think we could do it even better the second time. Why don't we do this? And then we can go on to the next big thing. I was like... I- all right, so Rosemary and Sage too, and I was a little disappointed that they picked it because I wanted to. I was like, I wanted to do the horror film, but right. like, but like, I just saw everyone's enthusiasm and they were so excited, and I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to just take all this negativity about. Oh, I don't think I want to do this and make it the best movie that I could possibly make because I don't want to put their names on something that I wouldn't be proud of and that they wouldn't be proud of. Right now, uh, Turn Back Time has a new uh, character in it. His name is Alan. <laughs> yeah. How did it? How did um the idea of having Alan come about? Well, I thought about St. Patrick's Day and how it takes place in the '80s, and I'm like, okay, so even though the, this film takes place in current day, uh, if it's a sequel to St. Patrick's Day, we still need to have that '80s feel to it. In most '80s films, all the bad ones anyway, had a stupid robot character that nobody cares about, like <laughs> Rocky Four or Space Camp. Yeah. And I'm like, I want a robot character. And my wife looks at me with the most pissed off look. She's like, do not put a robot character in this movie. Okay, we don't <laughs> need a robot character. And I pulled out my phone because I already had one in mind. Yeah. And I showed her the toy. And she was like, okay, you need a robot character. His name's <laughs> Alan. And I'm like, it <laughs> yes. automatically comes up with a name. And I'm like, okay, all right, cool. So Alan it is. I don't know. I just wanted, because um, I thought to myself one thing too. I was like, yes, we need a robot character, not just for like comedic reasons and for nostalgic 80s movie reasons, but also for marketing reasons. Right. Because it's like, dude, this is a cute, lovable character that you can plaster on anything. Yeah. And then you'll immediately be like, okay, great. So, the, and they're even on the, he's even on the collector cups. Like, yes. you got, he's got to be there. Yeah. So, yeah, Alan was really great. How did you uh, go about designing what his voice was going to sound like? Uh, you know, originally we didn't know what we wanted to do for Alan and, uh, my friend, John Felix, he absolutely begged for that role. John Felix played uh, Cecil Cuman in the first film and he's been a part of, uh, my movie since day one. He was the villain in the first three movies I made, which was the Omar trilogy. Uh, he actually filled in to be the St. Patrick's Day killer as a stand in in St. Patrick's Day for a little bit. And, um... Uh, we didn't work together for like a couple years because of conflicting schedules. But then when Rosemary and Sage was coming out, he was like, I really want to be a part of this one. This, this is going to be this is going to be next level. And it was it was truly an experience. And then after, you know, spoiler alert, he's not, you know, he gets killed off in the first one. I was, he, I, I was like, well, John, you can't come back because you're dead. And he was like, well, I want to voice Alan. And I was like, OK, well, how do you want to go about it? And he was like just uh, i'll uh i'll see what you like and we went through a couple different voices during the recording session and we landed on the one that he picked i'm like it's gonna have a filter on him once we're done um but i i can sense be it was like speaking of power rangers like i can sense you have an alpha five uh like yeah. a reference going on here and he was like okay so you want alpha five and 
I was like, I want Alpha 5 mixed with Mr. B from Clone High. If you've ever seen <laughs> Clone High, it was a very short-lived show, but it um, we just took these two elements together. Uh, it took two hours to record the dialogue yeah. for it, and we were done. Um, I don't know. I just, I just, uh, we wanted a, we wanted a new, marketable, fun character. Yeah, he's definitely. Um, I like the idea of Alan, the uh, the camera robot. That's pretty neat. Um, so this one has a bit a bit more blood in it than um and the first than the first Rosemary and Sage, as every good sequel should. Of course, have more more blood and gore. How do you like working with uh with all the extra blood and gore? Oh, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> I love it, but I hate it all at once. Blood is a mess, and it's always just it gets everywhere. It doesn't stain clothes though. Surprisingly, it does not stain. You can throw it, you can throw all your bloody clothes in there, and it will come right out. Now, do you buy your blood or do you make it? We buy it. Uh, yeah. I usually go to Floretta Imports here. They have yeah because I'm like I can order it from Amazon, but Amazon's finicky with fake blood. For some reason, you can get a lot of fake blood on Amazon, but it just it doesn't have the two day shipping. Yeah, and I'm paycheck to paycheck, so I'm literally right. like, well, I can't afford this like on that day for it to be here now. Like that's why the two day shipping would be convenient, even though Amazon sucks. But yeah, uh, uh, Florida Imports always has blood in stock. Yeah, we've bought some there too once before. And the craziest part about it was the for the first time ever, uh, it was the day of it was the day that we needed all this fake blood. And my wife, you know, she's like, I'll go pick some up for you while you're working. I'm like, oh, that's great, thank you so much. And she goes to pick it up. And she's like, I need some fake blood. And the first time I was like, oh, we don't have any because uh, it's Easter. <laughs> and oh, like, everybody needed the blood of Christ and everywhere. I'm like, oh, that's, I was, and I thought to myself, is that a thing? To be, they were. She was like, Jessica, my, my wife. She was like, yeah. They were saying they they, they were doing reenactments, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a little dark. I, but okay, all right. It's like I just got an idea for my next film. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's, I was like, okay, we're then, gonna. There you go. You should do a horror movie based around a reenactment of the Passion of Christ, but in a small town church. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Uh, I was, I was, it was wild. But we wound up going to Party City for it, um, and it sucked because the blood that we got this time, like we got six liters, uh, but it, the, this was the first time the blood was a little syrupy. Yeah, like I've never had blood that syrupy, but it looked great. It was the reddest blood. No, I was going to say it was pretty bright. Yeah, I was, uh, but I like that. I, I, was, I spe- specifically remember the blood on the urinal. I was like, oh, that's bright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's also due to color correction, too. We were like, I gave it that nice, bright, vivid color because Mo, uh, St. Patrick's Day was intended to be a giallo. And giallo is uh, basically uh, a subgenre of Italian horror films. And uh, that was a complete love letter to Italian horror film. So, of course, with the sequel, I'm like, well, what's in a giallo? It's got to have uh, it's got to have a killer with gloves, but the gloves usually have zippers. Yeah. Uh, it's got to have uh, an extreme amount of violence for no reason. But the blood always has to be really, really bright and almost like almost like neon light. Yeah. And I, and I thought that we nailed it to an extent for sure. Um, and also the uh, there's always a straight razor involved. I don't know what it is, but there's always a straight razor. In St. Patrick's Day, we use the straight razor. We didn't get to use the straight razor in turn back time, but I did have it in the opening credit sequence, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you sure did, didn't mm-hmm. you? I was trying to think back to it. I'll have to rewatch this th- that thing again. I, I, I always, hope that you liked it enough to do it. <laughs> I was like, I always need a couple rewatches. Um, so, uh, now, when you're working with blood, how hard is it to do a retake? 
<laughs> man, I'll tell you, poor, uh, poor Jill and and SJ on the set of that because we were, we had these like takes where they would just have to get doused, and I, I I looked at everyone. I was like, all right, so this blood's gonna have to come out in a certain way. So we had to lay the whole pint of blood in a hand and smash it, and it would just kept going. So we yeah. wasted about two or three pints of blood. Uh, why we were doing it because i was like oh uh, the camera wasn't in focus oh that wasn't good enough and they're like what the hell they're like they're sopping wet and it was also cold too the blood was so cold for some reason it was like it was very hot outside when we were doing it so that was great but like why was it freezing cold you know right it, but it's, it presents a challenge of like comfort um i know literally they they were like yeah my shower is stained red after today and yeah. they, i got like the pictures at the bottom and i was like damn that's crazy yeah. so, that's crazy <laughs> it's always fun but it's a mess oh i was just thinking that too like if you sprayed on the wall or something for a shot and you were like no we need to do this again i'm like oh, you got to clean it all up and then you got to try again somewhere the soon to be infamous bathroom scene did take two takes yeah and because it well, not spoiling anything, it bounced out of the urinal, and we were like, okay, we need to do that again. Nice. And we had to take a mop and, like, mop everything up and make it pristine like it never happened, yeah. and then we did it a second time. And, if, if like, in the original footage, I had to, because, of course, I dubbed it out, but, like, we're over there, like, you can just hear us so hard trying not to laugh. Right. Because it was so funny, because it, just, it did a flip, and it landed right into the center, and we're like... <laughs> and like we couldn't laugh and then when we cut we lost it we yep. just absolutely lost oh, it. oh my goodness uh yep i've got some uh uh after podcast questions on that too oh yeah <laughs> oh god um so with turn back time you get the opportunity to work with the artist jay clean and name to come up with a, a song for the film mm -hmm. um so how did the opportunity to work with them come about so james i've known for several years i think almost a decade he's been working here for quite some time and i know that he's an aspiring artist or you know what let me just go ahead and say he is an artist he's got albums uh i know that he's uh extremely immensely talented my wife listens to him too like on, on the regular like has a playlist just with his music and yeah he's he's damn good damn good and uh he comes up to me uh during rosemary and say the first one and he's like how would you like it if i made a song for the movie and i'm like an original song i've never done that before let's do it let, let, I'm, I'm hyped. Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. And it, a couple of months go by and I don't hear anything uh, because I, you know, I, I, I don't rush artists, especially when it comes to like James or when it comes to the person who does our posters. Like it could take months. It could even take like a half a year to make something work. And I never rush them. I'm like, you take the time you need because time right. is important to make it right. And about a couple months passed and James comes in to the studio where we're at now. And he was like, can you come in here for a minute? I was like, sure. And he sets me down and he puts his phone down and he plays the song and I lost it. I was yeah. like, that is the coolest song. That's going to be a hit. <laughs> and um, it was a huge hit. It was like everyone was downloading it and saving it. I had messages after the movie. They were like, where can I get that song at? And I'm like, it's a banger, right? Yeah. It's real good. And... Um, the when the sequel was coming out i looked at him i said james you know we're gonna need another hit song when the sequel comes out he was like i i got you <laughs> and james is like uh he he comes to me like a week before the movie comes out and he's got the song finished and i'm just like and i'm like dude i'm so excited that you hear it and he's like and i'm like what what's wrong he was like i don't know i i just feel like i could have done better 
And I'm like, James, I'm sure it's great. And everyone in that theater was jamming. No, it was good. Everyone in that yep. theater was jamming. I'm like, come on, man. You got to believe in yourself. It was so good. It's different than the than the than the than the upbeat you know song in the first one and and i told him i was like i wanted something a little bit different this time around and just because we need to differentiate the sequels with each other and he was on board and he's just, he's a class act one of the nicest sweetest people in in the world and his music video uh played during the premiere too and it was phenomenal of course well jared i've had i had the pleasure of attending your premiere screaming for rosemary and sage turn back time and I can tell you that your staff loves you and your films. Um, by the sheer amount of people that were in the theater and when you came in to announce the film and everybody's reaction, mm-hmm. um, I can tell how much you and your work are loved and appreciated. Yeah. So uh, a round of applause to you. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank what you, you do, because I can tell that your group of folks you've got working with you mm-hmm. and for you, uh, they absolutely love what you're doing. Yeah. So. That says a lot about what you're doing here and what you're doing on your flicks. Absolutely. I have the people I didn't even know in there. And I was like, who are these people? And it's great because they're, they loved it too. And it's, it's nice to, it's nice that it can branch out and find its audience. I think that's such an important thing is for your film to find an audience. And everyone in that audience was there for it and loved it. And I was, I could not be more grateful. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the point in the podcast where we might get into a few spoilers. So if you don't want to know any details about the flick before you come and see it, because I know you're going to come and see it. So now might be the time to say see you later and have a good week. (laughs) So there's your warning. Um, All right, Jared. So when did you start production and how long was the shoot for this thing? January 1st was the first day of filming. Um, We had a meeting of... Of this year. Of this year, yeah. Okay. We had a meeting uh, every... So for the last few years, I'd hold a meeting in November. And I do a little photo shoot. So I can... I do a meeting and a photo shoot same day. That way I can... We can read through the script. And we can talk about what we want. What kind of changes we need. And what works best for the film. And as that's happening, uh, we're also taking photos for uh, promotional stuff. Like for posters. For uh, merchandise. Anything that I can think of. We just do little photo shoots for the, uh, for the promotional stuff. And also to do casting reveals because I, there's a thing I do on Instagram. Every time we make a film, I'll count down the cast. It'll be like every day we'll post a cast picture of uh, who's going to be in the cast. And this always brings a lot of excitement. I remember when a lot of people had a lot of attachments to the characters in the first film. So when they were reprising their role and it was like, Hey, they're back. Everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 we're so excited. So it's a nice little thing that we do. And, um, after a couple months of looking at the script, making sure it was right, uh, we started shooting on January 1st of this year, 2023. And the this lasted until June 28th, Yeah, I do believe, is when the last day of filming was. It takes a while. You got people who are in college. I was about to say, you've yeah. got a full-time job. Other people have jobs. They have school. Mm-hmm. And you got to... You got to work around everybody's schedule mm-hmm. since no one's getting paid to make these things. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, the, and, and I always feel bad about that. I'm like, guys, like, we're are you like, I just feel bad having you guys come all the way out here and come all the way out here and get drenched in blood. And everyone's always assures me they're just like, Jerry, we just love to do it. We don't right. care. We just love doing it because it's fun. And then at the end of the year or halfway through the year, whenever you're done with it, we all get to come together and watch it. There, that's yeah. payment enough. And I'm like, I don't know. I think that we need to get start getting paid for this because I see you over there drenched in blood. I don't even want to say what happened to Jackson. Right. And, after, like, <laughs> and like, we're just like, God, we need to do something. But, yeah, no, everyone's just so 
happy to be part of things. Yeah. So, so uh, I take it you edit along the way, mm-hmm. like I as do. you shoot. I absolutely do. That yeah. way, I can get it out faster, and also yeah. it keeps my my brain in check. I, I've always got to be doing a project, or else I just lose my sanity, and like I can't go yeah, I know. forever without writing or doing yeah, something. Yeah, I know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. When I do my flicks for school, I'll usually edit a segment, and then I polish it all the way to completion. Um, and then try to match them all together. Mm-hmm. I also found my little laptop can't, uh, <laughs> it can't, um, oh, I forget the term, uh, it can't create uh, the video. Like if everything's from scratch, mm-hmm. if I've got, you know, like 90 layers of things going on, and if I try to create an hour long flip of all just raw, un- uncut material, mm-hmm. it's going to crash. Yeah. So I have to like, I have to edit it like in 10 minute chunks. Yeah. Same. And Same. then finish it so it can render it down to one the one line of video. Yep. And, and then I do and then it, put them together. I can't believe that someone else is suffering the same issue I no, am. <laughs> I was doing the same thing. Oh I learned my that, god! Oh, like, you understand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned the same thing. I was the first time I tried to do anything of length for school. I was my computer kept crashing. Like I had all I had it all finished, but mm-hmm. I've got all kinds of different layers of video on top of. Uh, mm-hmm. video and pictures and sound and whatever and then the it keeps crashing yep and so then i was like oh my god i'm gonna have to do this in chunks and start all over so so yeah so now when i put something together for school i i think of it in in segments and scenes i was mm-hmm. like all right i gotta finish the scene render it all down to one line of video and then do them then put them together that way yep That's so the i've way got all it. these little directories i've got Here's this scene, and here's that yes, scene, and here's yes, that scene. Yes, and it's all what you had to do. Yep. It's like in layers. I had to get to the point where I started numbering. I'm like, okay, so in sequence, this is how the movie should go. Yeah, that and, would make sense. You yep. would need them. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I, I don't do things much longer than 15 minutes of school, but if I did an hour-length thing, you'd oh, have to would, just number one, two, three, four. It would destroy it, and it's like, and then of course, even and and it's like the program knows too. It's like once you hit that 10 minute mark in the in the in the in the mm-hmm. timeline it's like oh it's starting to slow down and then you'll open up one and it'll be completely fine if it's blank yeah all the way up to like a certain time like it's getting to the point where it's only in five minute increments for some scenes for me yeah it's ugh, sucks. yeah it just depends on oh. how many yeah yeah i'm right there with you man i know exactly how you feel <laughs> oh, someone who knows uh, um so uh oh you already told me it's six liters of blood that doesn't seem like too much it seems like it was fairly yeah like not too terribly bad that you guys were and all it costs money too so you just can't throw it around oh man like crazy this movie had such a cheap budget thankfully now um jackson's member (laughs) (laughs) did you now i first my first guess was did you did did you buy did you buy it or did someone in the cast have it for you okay this is going to be one hell of a story (laughs) one hell of a story so when the first film came out, there was a review that someone it gave, they gave it a one star review, and it said that it was one of the worst films in their eight years of living. Um, that the everything was awful and the plot was going. So they were eight years old and they came I, and saw I'm the like, movie. What? Why are you letting an eight year old come and see? That's what flick? I'm saying. And then he was like, the plot was going nowhere, the editing was terrible, and I, I take offense to that. Come on now. My editing ain't that damn bad. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, uh, and he said, and, the, and, here's what, and here's what made me die from laughter. He said, and worst part of all, no shaft. 
<laughs> and I'm like, okay, and remember what I said. I was like, I'm going to take whatever criticism I hear, I'm going to take it. Right. And I thought to myself, hmm, he wants shaft. He's going to get some He's going to get one. <laughs> He's going to get one. So, like, I thought to myself, and I'm like, uh, like, one day I'm just chilling at work, and an employee's uh, brother comes in. And they're like, you're not going to believe what I found in the woods. Yeah. And he pulls out this, well. Huge dildo. Dildo. Yeah. And it's massive. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Why did you touch it? Why is it here? Right. Why did you bring it? No one saw you bring that in right. Because it was huge. And he was like, no, 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 it's all good. And and someone cut the bottom off of it. I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, no shaft. And then, and Jackson knew that he was going to. Jackson plays deputy at Nice in the film. Uh, he is a very positive, outgoing character, and uh, I added him in there for comedic relief as well because the whole movie is just without him. I feel like it would be infinitely more right. depressing. So I'm like, okay, I need a little bit of levity in here. And once I saw the dildo, and once Jackson walked up and started laughing at it, I'm just like, well, you know, you're going to get axed off in the film because you're the most positive character, and I think yep. people would be upset when you die. And he was like, true. I was like, do you want your dick cut off? <laughs> and he laughed so hard. He was like, so are we going to explain how why it's so big? And I'm like, <laughs> if anyone asked in interviews, just say that you got stung by a bee or something. Right. And he, so we just, I, I, I filmed the scene. I filmed the scene. And it was hilarious, and we had a great time doing it. And I got the footage together, and I showed it to all the producers. I showed it to my wife, everyone who was like behind the scenes, and they're like, "You can't put that in there. You're gonna have to cut that because no one's going to allow that online, and no, and someone's gonna walk out." And I'm like, "I'm counting on it." Yeah, because let me tell you, they said no shaft. They're gonna get shaft. shaft. And on top of that, I really think. That if we want to make a film that stands out, that it should definitely have a the it should have something extremely memorable. Not saying the rest of the film isn't memorable, but that's one scene that this audience will never forget. <laughs> I remember laughing, uh, it's seeing seeing that dildo go in the urinal, and it's so big it doesn't even go into the yeah, urinal. It, it just sticks in the hole. It doesn't even go. It's so big. <laughs> We were like, and I, and I, I got, I, I record audience reactions too. Anytime there's a screening, uh, you, I'll record. Oh, you an could hear. I knew yeah. you'd wait for that moment because yeah, the I whole audience went, "Oh!" They did, and it was like, there was so much laughter, and I'm like, "Yes, we nailed it. We nailed it." Now who's gonna walk out? And nobody walked out. I'm well, like, "All right." Not in that group of people. No, right? no, no, no one's you, gonna walk the, out there. No, that was the best group. That of was people your bread you and butter. Watched it with. I almost shattered out. Oh no, Jackson, your penis. <laughs> you said he was waiting for it. Like we. We had so much fun shooting that scene, and I know it was risky, and I know it's still going to be risky to keep it in there. Now, I don't think it's risky. I mean, the film, I mean, you give it the rating it gets, and you need, in a horror movie, you need that shock value. Mm -hmm. You know, you need, somebody has got to die, and it's got to be really bad. Exactly. Um, I don't think, it's not shocking at all. I mean, look, I went, I'm watching uh, It uh, with the family, and I hate horror movies. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're making me watch it, the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so much blood all the time. The oh, movie, yeah. I mean, there's just oceans of it in this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's awful. But everything in that is way worse than seeing a plastic dildo go in a <laughs> urinal. Right? 
the uh it's funny too because i was sitting there thinking the whole time like in the first film you got a, a very shocking neck break you've got uh people overdosing you got a throat getting ripped out and i'm like how do we top this how like how how like and i think this is what's going to top that and uh it's the gory scene in the film for sure yeah um, but no it's and it's only like you know it you it's not it's it's only on screen for like a second or two and mm-hmm. it's and then it cuts right away. So yeah, uh, so yeah. I know we all thought it was great. Hell I know yeah. my my girls were with me. They're eighteen, and they went oh, <laughs> and I was like, it's perfect for that age group. Everybody understands yep. it. Everybody gets it. Of course, you got to You got to market to the masses. I mean, anybody that doesn't like it, it's going to be the people that wouldn't like the film in the first place. Exactly. No matter what it is, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, uh, I do think you missed a comedic moment. Hmm. Uh, uh, speaking of Jackson and his member, if, at the the wedding scene at the end, mm-hmm. if you had Jackson there with a really big cast right there in between his legs, <laughs> you know we were standing there. I was like, that would have been awesome. <laughs> we were actually going to have him during the hallway scene, uh, which I call the which I call the Rogue One ripoff. Uh, oh yeah, they're in the hallway sequence where the Shamrock Slasher just goes to town on all the inmates and the police officers in the hall. Jackson was supposed to actually come out with his hand on his crotch covered in blood and just firing off rounds. Like, oh, screaming at the top that would have been good. But I was like, but but here's the here's the here's the issue though is that I couldn't because Jackson was actually playing the killer in that scene. Oh, yeah, I need he was dressed up. Yep, I I usually do stand-ins uh, for the killer if uh, if the actress uh, playing like the the central actress for who that character yeah. is couldn't make it to make the shoots because she's busy a lot and she does her own thing and I'm like hey, hey no worries because that's the beauty about having like a mass killer it could yeah, be, be anybody yeah so how many different them. people did you have playing the killer throughout uh, the movie ju- uh, just Jackson and um, my friend Haley were the killers in this film this i time. wondered how many times how many different people were on like whoever was available that day mm-hmm. anytime uh in, when it takes place in the woods or during the forest that's all Haley, and anything outside of that was always jackson um the scene in the video store where they go to look at the yes. uh, the evidence tape oh, God. was that scripted or was that just people just spouting out so awesome. that that is a huge reference to the first three films in the series, and that's the Omar trilogy. Right. Uh, I had a feeling. Yep. And I was like, I want to. If we're doing a crossover, we got to cross crossover over everything. Yep. And um, I've always wanted to do a fourth Omar movie. And for those listening, Omar is the uh, is a trilogy of films that I made. It was in 2015 to 2019. It was the first three films in our filmography. And since we crossed everything over, I guess you could say the first films in this long running series. Uh, and the plot is usually the same in all the first movie is, uh, is a guy named Omar and he runs, uh, he runs an adult video store and they come in uh, contact with this possessed VHS and this villain is trying to like get it back. And in this chaos, the villain murders one of the store's most, uh, valued employees and Omar's like, well, we got to take this guy down. We got to figure out what this tape is. So he teams up with his employees to take down the villain. And that's the first movie you will ever see, and probably the only movie you see where someone is killed with a dildo. Yeah. <laughs> and in the second one, um, the it's revealed that the uh, the person they murdered was the lover of one of the employees, and she's all upset, and she wants to get him back. And because that we've established that demons and ghosts exist, she tries to basically go to the spirit world to bring her lover back from the dead. And in return, she gets pregnant. And then yep. in the third film, uh, the villains are like, well, you killed us twice. 
and we keep getting resurrected all the time. So <laughs> we're going to basically take your unborn child. And that's the story of the third one. And uh, at the very end of it, Omar moves into a bigger, better porn store, which is when the continuity matches up. There you go. Because we use the same building that we did at the end of it. And so for the for the Omar scene, and just like every Omar film, they were, in fact, ad-libbed. Uh, I have a central idea of what I, how I want the scene to go, and I'll tell them, this is how I want the scene to go. So if you can just get to that point, that would be great. But in terms of whatever you want to say and do, go crazy. Yeah. And the first one, there was a loud breakout argument, just like you see in this one. And I was like, I was just paying reference to the first film. Uh, so I guess... If you see him, you know. If not, then you'll probably be a little bit confused, but you'll have a fun time seeing, like, laughing at everyone, just yelling at each other and screaming at the top of their lungs. Yeah. I think it worked in context of the film because we definitely needed it. Because in the Omar trilogy, it is all about, oh, you know, we sell players and VHS and beta. And I was like, well, how are they going to play this tape? And they're like, why don't you just send Rosemary to Omar? And I'm yeah. like, that's brilliant. Yep. <laughs> now, at the end of the flick, you've got. Uh, the mayor doing this nice little dance right there. Oh my god! At his car. What brought? What? How did that come to be? The, the mayor's striptease at his car. So I thought I, we thought long and hard about what we wanted to do for an after credit scene because I thought because I told everyone I was like, look, I don't know if I want to put an after credit scene because I don't know if I want to do a third Rosemary's Age because I think we've taken this as far as we can go, but I know how attached we get to characters and of course. It's no secret. We're at the, if, 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 the, if every screening is like the one that we attended the other night, then I will definitely be doing another one. And I did want to set it up to to get the fans and the audience guessing, like, oh shit, are they going to do another one? Is that yeah. is it can is that something we can look forward to? So yeah, you can look forward to it. Might as well just go ahead and say it here. <laughs> but um, but uh, I was trying to figure out how we're going to be able to set up a stinger because the last film had a stinger setting up a St. Patrick's Day crossover, and I'm like, well, where can we go from here? And I always did say that at the end of the first one, I said if we ever do another one, then we would have to bring a character back. So we brought a character back, not from the dead, because they didn't die, uh, to basically be a much bigger and larger threat in the third film for these characters. And in order to make that happen, I was like, well, I think the mayor has to be in on it. And Ben comes to me. Ben plays the mayor. I love him so much. I've been friends with Ben for 23 years. He uh, he he runs up to me. He said, I have a great idea. I'm like, what? He was like, the mayor is so against all of these things. What if he was basically forced into being one of those things? I'm like, what do you mean? He was like, well, what if, like, because he lost the election and he has nothing left that he wants to take out revenge, right? But how is he going to get that money to pay off someone to, like, you know, do an assassination hit? And I'm like, I be a stripper he was right like, exactly, exactly. sell my body and i'm like <laughs> so you're telling me that you want to stand out here in the parking lot while we're open so cars can drive by <laughs> and you're gonna be in full-on like you're gonna have fishnets and makeup and he was like yeah <laughs> and he's and he looks at me like dead in the face he's like can you imagine how that audience is going to react when they see the mayor at an all-time low. Right. And I'm like, you know what? I can't argue with that. And it got the biggest reaction out of yep. the entire... Because it's unexpected. No. That's right. It was pretty shocking. Yeah. <laughs> he loved it. And we were all just laughing. It was funny, too, because he's like... Because he got dressed to here in the studio. And he's like looking outside. He's like, 
fuck, I don't want anyone to see me. Like, is it yeah. I don't, you know, I have a reputation. I was like, I, shut up, go out there. And like, there was no one there. And sure enough, like, movie started letting down as he was coming out. He's like, oh god, oh god, oh god. He said he ran, and the shoes didn't fit. Yeah. <laughs> so there's just it was it was it was a trip. It was an absolute trip. Oh, oh man, what a time. Yeah, it, I was definitely wondering about how that process, and then shooting, like how much of that did not make the film? All of it. <laughs> all of it. Everything we shot made it in. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I was like, I gotta, I gotta, and I, and I know it's, because he was like, you think it lingers on a little bit too long for some things? I'm like, yes, but I'm trying to hit that runtime quota. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I was like, because now we're at the end credits and we can kind of do whatever we want to, but. Yeah, that's pretty much how that went down. Right, so make sure you stay to the end, folks, so you can, uh, there is a little special surprise there. Oh, it's quite a surprise. After the end. Uh, well, Jared, thanks for talking about your new film. Of course. And uh, so besides uh, another Rosemary and Sage storyline, what else do you think you want to make at some point? Well, the next film, uh, we're making a film next year. As you, I make one film a year. And next year, we're going to focus our efforts on uh, scaring the hell out of people. I really want to make a horror film that will sink into your mind and you'll never forget it. And uh, I can say, well, I've announced what the title is, uh, the new film that we're making. And it will be the, wow, the eighth entry in the Spring Lane Studios saga, I guess. It's uh, it's called Migraine. And it will be an Italian-style slasher, a giallo, if you will. Um, it follows the story of a woman who is suffering from frequent headaches. Uh, she's a painter. She's an artist. She's, she's having bad dreams and hallucinations. Um, and it's not cancer. It's not, uh, it's not a mold in the new house she's right. moved into. No one knows what it is. And you're not going to know here because it's going to be a hell of a twist and it's, it's <laughs> great, but we're really looking forward to it. It'll be different. Uh, for once, we're not going to be filming in Sanford. Uh, I've always wanted a beach setting. Yeah. I feel like the beach could be kind of a scary setting if you really do it right. Um, I know that it'll probably be out sometime for Halloween next year. We want to do we want to do like a big Halloween blowout and right. really have the scariest possible movie you could watch. It won't have any jump scares. Uh, it will be very, uh, it'll be very a two four like a twenty four like like films like Hereditary or Midsummer where they're very slow burners and you just get this uncomfortable imagery in your mind. Uh, it's going to be very very special. It'll be very different. I I don't think anyone's prepared for the horrific imagery that we're about to bestow upon <laughs> this world. Well, I mean, that's what visionaries do, right? Mm-hmm. To get your stuff out there. That's what it was. The uh, I was, uh, my I, we talked about it on the podcast last time. It was uh, my favorite horror movie and favorite icon of ever, of all time was Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And when I was fifteen, I wrote this script as an Elm Street movie, like a movie uh. I always wanted to see. I was like, it's it's interesting because most Elm Street movies focus on a group of kids. What if we just focused on one? That way we could flesh out this character in, a, in an incredible way. And of course, since I, I, I'm never going to say never, but because it's not in the cards now, I'm taking the script and I'm going to make the Elm Street movie I pretty much always wanted to make. Right. And that's what you're, I guess that's what mm. you can expect with Migraine. And that's the, that's the horror movie that made me hate horror movies. Because ah. I saw it when I was a kid, which I should have never watched it as a child. But I don't know whose house we what it was got the put in. Effect on me. <laughs> but on me, it was like, oh no, <laughs> right? I didn't even dare sing the song. Yeah, the Freddy Krueger. So this one might be. Maybe this will heal my my uh, my uh, scar of horror movies. No, it'll make it worse. <laughs> 
All right, Jared. So um, remember, folks, come out August 4th, Rosemary and Sage, Turn Back Time. Uh, we'll be live here at Spring Lane Cinemas and, and Majestic Sanford, North Carolina. And come get a ticket, get some drinks, and get some popcorn. Um, uh, so make sure you come on out, support your local theater, and help keep it here. The days of independent theaters are disappearing. So come and see a movie, get some popcorn, get a drink. Uh, the movie theater is one of the great American art forms, and we need to make sure that we do our part to keep our theater uh, moving and trucking along here in Sanford, North Carolina. So, Jared, thanks for coming on the podcast. We appreciate it every time. I'm sure we'll do this again in the future. So everyone else, see you at the movies, and have a good week. Running all night like it was a race, child. I just been thrown, no, we gotta get down. Time is burning out, and we gotta turn it back. Hey, before it's too late. For the sake.